Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel, bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you will not hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he commanded in Ephesians 5.11. God states in his word that he would rise up ministries in the last days to do mighty exploits that would turn many to righteousness. Today's show is a message given by Pastor Joe Schimmel to his congregation at Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California. Now here with vital insights from God's word is pastor and author Joe Schimmel. We move from, uh, from the whole concept of what Jesus taught regarding God's design for marriage to the disciples dealing with children. I think it's very interesting these things come back to back. And uh, when we go to Mark chapter 10, you can pick it up there at verse 13. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. So they, you know, different people, were bringing children to Jesus. And I think that's awesome. That's a great picture. There's, there's parents sitting out there, you know, standing out there. They see how wonderful, how radical Jesus is that he just says the word, people are healed, that he touches people, that they're healed, that lepers lose their leprosy, that lame can also walk, you know? The dead come to life, and of course, uh, many of their children were being brought to Jesus for healing. But in this passage right here, it doesn't emphasize, it doesn't say anything about the children being sick. It just says they brought their children to him so that he would bless them. He wanted them to be blessed. Jesus certainly did, and they wanted their children to be blessed. But the disciples, they gave a rebuke. They, they rebuked the children, which I think is interesting because they thought, hey, ministry, this is about Jesus ministering to those in need and perhaps more pressing issues than children. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? Because children can so often take a back seat. And the enemy knows that. The enemy certainly focuses his energy on our children. You know that. There is a constant spiritual warfare for the souls, for the hearts, for the lives, for the attention of our children. And the last thing you want to do is keep people from being blessed by Jesus, especially children. Amen? But as I'm looking at that passage, that thing just, just jumps out at me. They're bringing them to Jesus. They're children to Jesus. And that's what we ought to be doing. And that would apply to all of us, whether you have children or not, to bring children to Jesus, to bring young people to Jesus. Amen? But I just want to point out, because we're only looking at you know, 13, 14, 15, and 16 this evening, that our highest goal after we're saved, other than bringing glory to God with our very lives, I believe, if you, are, if you have children, is to bring your children to Jesus. In fact, ministry starts at home. You know that. In fact, one is not even qualified to be an elder in the church of God. The scriptures say uh, in Titus chapter 1, verse 6, unless he has believing children. The Greek word pistis there doesn't necessarily mean they have to be believers. Uh, many uh, scholars, uh, Bible teachers, commentators point out the word pistis means faithful. So elders at least have to have faithful children, meaning faithful to the teaching of their parents. So you can't know if your children are necessarily believers for sure, but you can know whether they're faithful to uh, a leader's guidance. And Paul said if one's going to be an elder, he, he must manage his own household well. Now, elders can't help what a child does if they're in their 30s, right? But it's talking about his household must manage his own household well. And because it says if he can't manage the household of God, or if he can't manage his own family, his own house, how can he manage the household of God? Amen? 
So God even wants Christian leaders to make sure that their ministry begins at home. There's a running joke about pastor's kids, PKs they call them, because a lot of pastor's kids historically have been incredibly rebellious. And a lot of that comes from uh, uh, that, that mentality of, you know, the mechanic whose car is always breaking down or the house cleaner whose house is always filthy. Why? Because she's always what? Cleaning other people's houses, right? Mechanics working in other people's cars. Well, God instructs pastors, and that's, that's why this, it's a qualification to be a pastor, to be an elder. You have to make sure you're managing your household well, that you're, you're bringing your children up in the Lord and what have you. So what's sad about this is here we have the leaders, disciples, rebuking people who are bringing their children to Jesus. Now, of course, their intentions were not bad. Their intentions were not like, wow, how can we keep them from Jesus so their souls are damned. That's not what they were thinking at all. They were just, you know, caught up in what Jesus was doing and ministering to adults and communicating his teaching and, and so forth. And they just thought this was a little side thing that, no, 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 no. Our Jesus is too busy to, to be blessing kids. And Jesus rebuked them. And I called this message, because it's not really a parenting message, this is called God's heart for the children. Because Jesus is God in the flesh, amen? If you want to see who Jesus is or who God is, who do you look at? You can look at Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and life, right? No one comes to the Father but through me. But Philip asked him, said, it is enough that you show us the Father. And Jesus said to Philip, he said, have I been this long with you? You've not seen me? He said, if you've seen me, to Philip, you've seen the Father. Wow, that's amazing. And Hebrews chapter one says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father's person. I love that. I love the way it's worded there. He's the exact representation of the Father's person. So when you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at exactly what the Father looks like in the flesh. Because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three share the same essence as the one true God. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Son, stepped out of eternity and became a man in the incarnation and partook of our condition. He was made in the likeness of men, yet without sin. He didn't have a sinful nature because he's the God-man, but he was still tempted with sin. Just like Adam, when he was tempted, did Adam have a sinful nature before he fell? No, Jesus was the second Adam. That's why he was born of a virgin, amen? And he was born of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus lived a perfect life, but he is God in the flesh. And here, well-meaning ministry people want to keep the kids from him, but he rebukes them. And that should say a lot to us about how we ought to make sure that we make children's ministry, ministry to children, bringing children to Jesus, not a low deal on our priority list of ministry, amen? But it should be incredibly high. They're just as much people as the adults are, amen? The Bible talks about those members of the body. It's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, members of the body, and it talks about those that, that don't seem quite as comely need the greater attention, and in this fellowship, praise God, we just had this beautiful uh, time together where there were, I guess, over 100 of the people from this fellowship that are one way or another involved in children's ministry. And it just blesses my heart to see how many people uh, in this fellowship take that seriously. How many of you pray for the children? How many of you are concerned about the children in, 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 a, in a very spiritually healthy way where you want to see them grow in Christ and, and what have you? And I want to encourage that, that... We don't get busy in ministry and just to adults, even if you have a ministry that is to adults. 
I'm quite frequently, because of the nature of a ministry I was part of that had started before Blessed Hope started called Good Fight Ministries, Fight the Good Fight, has always been focused on spiritual warfare, what the enemy is trying to do and trap our children. I can see the enemy spend so much attention at gearing his assaults on young people because he knows with most adults that don't know Jesus, he's already got them, right? But the children are still yet to make decisions uh, whereby they will face eternity and their eternal destiny. So he tries at a very young age before they reach that age of accountability to influence them. So once they become aware of their sinfulness, they begin to adopt secular philosophies to mask their sinfulness and engage in it rather than to deal with it. What we need to do is make sure we're bringing our children to Jesus right now when they're young, right? So the best opportunity to know him when they hit that age of accountability, which we'll talk about a little bit later because this passage actually, I believe, has some, something to say about that or at least bearing on that subject matter. Verse 14, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now, if you have the King James, it says he, he was not pleased or something of that nature. The King James does not translate that Greek word very strongly enough, strong enough. The word is not just being not pleased. The word is to be indignant, to be enraged. He was very, very upset that they, his disciples would try to keep the children from coming to him. And again, I don't say their intentions were bad. Think about it. I mean, there's times before where, remember Jesus, Peter rebuked Jesus. When Jesus talked about going to the cross and dying for our sins, what did Peter say? May it never be. And now he said this right after he said something wonderful. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Then he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's a radical exclamation of who Jesus is. He says, son of the living God. And Jesus commanded him and says, you know, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Wow. Peter, this was something that my father revealed to you. So Peter was high as a kite, you know, just excited, like, wow, so spiritually elated probably at that point. But the next thing he said after Jesus said he was going to the cross, that's when he said, may it never be. Basically over my dead body. And Jesus rebuked him. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Isn't that a trip? At one moment, he's being inspired by the Father from heaven. The very next second, he's being inspired, his words are being inspired for the pit of hell by Satan. The Bible says your tongue can be set on fire from hell, James chapter 3. We have to be so careful because look at both of these incidences I'm talking about. It hit me through the whole course of looking at this passage really hard. Wow, both times the disciples do these things, whether they're rebuking Jesus with regard to the children or Peter's rebuking Jesus in regard to going to the cross, both times it's done with seemingly very good intentions to further the, the greater good spiritually but both times it's totally wrong. It was wrong for them to rebuke Jesus or rebuke the kids from coming to Jesus. And it was wrong for Peter to tell Jesus not to go to the cross. Isn't that amazing? And that shows me that we have to be very, very careful. By the way, when they were trying to keep the kids from Jesus, Jesus is salvation, amen? He's the way, the truth, and the life. And when Peter's trying to keep Jesus from the cross, that's salvation too. It's through the cross that we get saved, Amen? And we know for the, in the second time for sure when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, that Satan was involved. The first time when it says that Jesus, they, you know, they basically rebuke the kids, telling them to stay, you know, or the parents tell them to stay away, don't bring your kids. 
The enemy could have been very well involved as well. doesn't say. What I'm saying to you is that you and I have to be very careful because there's oftentimes where God wants to do something in a salvific way where it may not make the most sense to us and we just may respond, for instance, you know, just kind of an instinctive response or a response based on something we think. We have to be really careful. The Bible says to be quick to hear and slow to what? So to speak. How many times each of us here, including myself, I'm sure numerous times, that's my wife, where we said something we thought were in the right, then we find another detail out, ah, oh, we're totally wrong. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be very, very careful, especially when it comes to spiritual decisions, that we don't just jump without praying over something, thinking about something, considering and weighing things, and praying that God would continue to reveal to us His will. Amen? You're listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. If you'd like to learn more about our life-changing resources, such as They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll and The Submerging Church, check out our website at goodfightradio.org. I love this because Jesus just turns this whole thing around. Verse 14, but when Jesus saw this, he's watching them, his disciples. He was indignant and said to them, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. So he says a positive, permit them, and then a negative, don't hinder. There's an emphasis there. Then I love this at the end of verse 14. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Isn't that interesting? The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. As these, as, as who? As the children, of course. Now, why was Jesus indignant? I had to read a little bit more in that verse so we can really appreciate why he was so indignant, why he was so upset, why he was so enraged at the disciples. Number one, I mean, he loves the children, amen? That's huge. But also, because Jesus is the head representative of the kingdom, amen? He's the king, right? King of kings, Lord of lords, prince of peace. He's in their midst. When he said the kingdom of God is in your midst, the kingdom of God is in their midst because he's the king bringing the kingdom and he's in their midst. And the little children are of the kingdom of God. And he was upset. Jesus had already have to, had to deal with religious leaders that were keeping people away from the kingdom of God. He had to deal with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, who were leading people astray, who were not understanding the signs of the times that the Son of God was in their midst. And they did a lot to turn people away from Jesus and the kingdom of God. In fact, look at what Jesus said about those who are turning people away from the kingdom. Go to Luke chapter 11, verse 52. Woe to you lawyers. He's not talking about lawyers as we understand them today. These lawyers were the first three letters, law. The lawyers today specialize in, in our country in you know, the law of the United States, their jurisdiction, the state that they live in or what have you, and how it applies. These lawyers were lawyers in respect to the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away what? The key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you what? Hindered those who were entering. They're hindering people from entering into the kingdom of God. Now go to Matthew chapter 23. We see the same thing going on here. And a few other verses in Matthew 23 shed more light on this. 
Matthew 23, verse 12. But the greatest among you shall be what? Your servant. Whoever exalts himself, I'm sorry, that was verse 11, verse 12. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. But woe to you, scribes. Those were those who inscribed the law, who copied the, the scriptures from one parchment to another. And Pharisees, those were the separate ones, but they were, got caught up in the religion and missed Jesus. Hypocrites, because you shut off the what? You shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. They were shutting off the kingdom of God from people. So people couldn't enter into it. That's what the disciples were doing. You know, the children were of the kingdom and they were keeping them away from the king. And, and now keep in mind, it's not, it's not totally a parallel because the disciples knew the king. They knew Jesus. They loved him. They wanted people to come to know him, but they were faltering. Here, these guys have dug their feet in the ground and are trying to dissuade people to, from just totally following Jesus. Very, very serious stuff. Then he has all kinds of things that will keep people from Jesus. Even things, and even people, like the disciples who were so well-intentioned. There's all kinds of movements today that will claim to do some good and claim to be into God and want you to be, have a relationship with God, but will ultimately keep you from Jesus. When I met my wife, she was in Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, and Cocaine Anonymous. And uh, I went to a couple of her meetings with her when she was first following Jesus. And... There were people that were getting off of alcohol. I think it was an AA meeting. And they were getting off of alcohol, but they were involved in all kinds of other stuff. And Jesus could be, or your higher power could be a spot on the ceiling. could be the doorknob. It could be your pet hamster. You could pray to anything. And that will do as long as you have a higher power. And pretty much anything goes. Unless you share that Jesus is the way to salvation. And you start to quote Jesus being the only way, then all of a sudden what seems so well-intentioned, you'll be booted out eventually if you keep talking like that. Because the guys who founded AA, Wilson and Jones, they were into a spiritual experience that one of them had on a hospital bed, but it wasn't the Jesus of the Bible. There's no talk about needing his blood for our sins so we could be forgiven. In fact, one of those, if you read the big book and you read their literature, one of them actually says he channeled the steps of the program. And what that program does is it catches a whole lot of people, and many of them do get off of alcohol. Many of them return to it and what have you. But it keeps many people from where? From Christ. Because it teaches that it's the answer. And all you need is a higher power by your own definition, and that's the answer. However, interestingly enough, God's truth, because the Lord's Prayer, we prayed at times and often, will sometimes sink through to people. Because my wife started saying the, the prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And she just fell in love with that prayer. And she wanted to know the God of that prayer, you know? And when she was having her hair done, someone shared her the gospel because she was sharing experience and sharing her love for that prayer. Somebody shared Jesus with her and she came to Jesus. And I describe it this way, is there's a lot of things where it's like you're dying in the desert. Oh, and there's no water but you come across a polluted water hole. And that water hole may have poison in it stuff, but has enough water to keep you alive to go to the next hole or eventually to the living stream of water. Jesus, amen. And AA is one of those holes. It's got a little water in it because the Lord's prayers are and so 
forth, and somebody could come to the truth or a truth. And then Jesus said, if you, whoever wills to do the will of the Father will know the truth. That's what he said in John 7, 17. And Lisa began praying that prayer, and she wanted to know the God. She wanted to know the truth. And God gave her more light. However, if you keep drinking from a poisonous water hole, right, when you have a stream of living water, Jesus, next to you, eventually you will what? You'll die. But we need to be careful because there's a lot of things that seem so well-intentioned out there, but ultimately can keep people from Jesus. And what the Bible says to us, to not go beyond what is written. Amen? The Bible talks about drinking the pure milk of the word, it says. It doesn't say the milk of the word. It says the pure milk of the word. Amen? God wants us into his word. He wants us into the pure milk of the word of God. And go ahead and look at verse 15. We looked at verse 13, 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Now, there's a lot of that going on today. Islam. They're going all over the place making proselytes, and they're turning them into terrorists, vile children of hell. But you could also do it by simply preaching a Christless religion. And that's what the Pharisees and the scribes had. They had a messiahless religion. And we have to be careful. Paul said, I preach Christ crucified, amen, that we never sway or are swayed from the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible just doesn't warn about coming short of Christ. It also warns in 2 John, verses 9 through 11, about those who go ahead beyond Christ. He's warned about the Gnostics there. Because people want to get their ears tickled and they want any new thing. And, and all of a sudden they say, oh, well, maybe this book was left out of the Bible. Before you know it, they're following all kinds of weird stuff. And they've lost connection with the head. And it warns about that in Colossians, about also getting the visions and things that steer you away from the Scripture and who Jesus is. Amen? So it's important that we understand who the historical, factual, biblical Jesus is. And the only way we are introduced to him is through God's Word. And so we need to hold tenaciously to his word. Look at verse 37. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed, verse 27, tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now go to verse 37. Truly, or Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were what? Unwilling. That also applies to the leaders. They were keeping them from going into the kingdom. You and I, we want to do just the opposite, amen? We want to lift up Jesus to the children, amen? We want to lift up Jesus to people. We want to encourage them to know Jesus, Amen? There are many Christians with great intentions who are bringing their children up in Christian homes and even homeschooling them. But by and large, in many cases, their children don't come to know Jesus. And when they hit 18 years old, they're as lost as the kid down the street who never heard about Jesus. We're even more lost because they knew the truth and they turned away from it and said it's worse to know and fall away than to have never known. This is serious stuff. You've been listening to pastor and author Joe Schimmel on the Good Fight Radio Show. Be sure to tune in next week at the same time for the continuation of this important message. 
To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, please visit goodfightradio.org, where we feature many eye-popping and life-changing resources on DVD and CD, as well as an archive of previously aired shows. You can visit our podcast page at goodfightradio.org to find many of Pastor Joe's full Sunday morning teachings. If you've been blessed by this show and would like to share this blessing with others, you can help support our ministry by visiting our donate page also at goodfightradio.org. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We thank you for tuning in. Join us next time on the Good Fight Radio Show. Just one thing